Pass First Point Guard and Blazer Beat Writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Make sure you download the app and join me this week, Thursday, April 1st, to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Got a really fun show for you today. I want to talk about the Blazers' win over the Detroit Pistons. They did something they hadn't done in almost a month. Certainly felt like longer. With the trade deadline behind us, I want to revisit Western Conference playoff tiers where the teams stack up in the West now that uh, most of the player movement has been decided for the season. And then I want to look ahead. The Blazers have some tough games on the schedule. What's next for this team looming, starting with Friday against Milwaukee Bucks, and then after that one? So... That's what we're going to do today. We're going to start with the game. Uh, Blazers beat the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday, 124-101. This was um, not particularly noteworthy. The Pistons are, were 13-33 and 33 coming into the game. They're, they're not a good basketball team. They're not like laughably bad and they're not trying to actively lose. I mean, they're they're playing young guys and 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 whatever, but they're not this isn't like a full-on Oklahoma City, let's let's sit our good players so we absolutely lose intentionally. They're just a bad basketball team, but they're they're no no pushovers. So I, I didn't think this was a guaranteed win. What do the Blazers do? They beat they beat them down. They they scored 73 points in the second half. For real, this was just a dominant performance by your Portland Trailblazers. I, I'm, we're not going to go too deep into this game. I think the sort of the big takeaways for me, number one is that Robert Covington is a joy. He has really settled into being a very good basketball player. It wasn't always this pretty. You know, he was shooting at one point below 30% from three. And some of you dear listeners were writing me uh, emails and tweets like, yo, What's up with Covington? Is it time? Did we screw it up? All this. And I said, I swear this dude is like a, is a league average three point shooter. And he is shooting above 50% from three from the, since the all-star break. I mean, obviously small sample size, whatever, but four or five tonight, a couple contested threes. Uh, He's, He's up in regular season now at 38% from three, which is above above the league average, which is like a shade under 37%. Like he could, he's just, that offense is clicking to go with his defensive playmaking and his just, um, his sort of smarts on that end. I, and, and the, the little hustle play stuff he does. Like I, I have, I have really come to enjoy watching Robert Covington play basketball. He's a joy. Uh, we've gone really, really heavy on Norman Powell the last couple days i mean he just joined the team we went heavy on him because that's that's what you wanted to hear about uh so we'll we'll gloss over him he had a nice game he looked um i thought the best minutes norman powell played were when he when dame was off the court and him and cj were on the court together to begin the fourth quarter and they kind of ran some action specifically for norm i thought that was when he got going he got he got downhill to the rim he got free on the wing he missed one of those shots but he like he uh he that action where he was playing like sort of the um secondary score not not tertiary or or whatever score beyond tertiary and beyond score that he is in the the rest of the lineup I thought he looked really comfortable it's early he'll figure it out I'm not worried about him um Nurk looked better uh Terry Stotts told reporters before the game that Nurk's uh 
his he was at a about a 20 minute cap for his minutes restriction he's said that that was maybe not lifted but had been bumped up a little bit and Nurk played a cool 21 minutes uh he didn't close out the game if the game had been close it seems like Terry was gonna close the game with Cantor tonight but uh neither of them closed because in the final two minutes they went with uh well Cantor stayed on the court but they 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 went some mop-up time because the Blazers won a game big and that's really what the story is it isn't it isn't any of this granular box score stuff it's the it's the margin y'all the Blazers beat a team by double digits, a 23-point win on the road. They had not beat a team by double digits since March 1st, a 123-111 win over the Hornets. Prior to that, you'd have to go back to a win at Oklahoma City to find a uh, to find a double-digit win. Like they just they just haven't done it many times. That game in Oklahoma City was Valentine's Day. Like it's just it has been a while. They have. They have played so many close games, and I think we're, we're starting to champion like, oh, uh, you know, Jason Quick, friend of the show, friend of mine in, in real life, uh, but like he wrote a story about the Blazers' clutch defense, and the Blazers' broadcast seemed to have picked up on that, and they were talking about it a bunch today, but like, I kind of think that's meaningless. Um, like, you know it when you see it. I'm not taking away from that, but like, oh, the Blazers are ninth in, in clutch defense. Like, the Blazers have made some plays down 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 the stretch sure they've showed that like when games are on the line they can they can make plays but to me the number to know is that 60 percent of their games are within five points in the final five minutes like they're they play too many close games because they just the good teams blow teams out good teams don't have to rely on damian lord taking a charge in the final 15 seconds and they finally blew a team out that's why this is noteworthy it had been just way too long since the blazers had won a won a game by double digits in fact, that Hornets game was a full 14 games ago, including 10 wins. They had 10 straight wins by single digits. They're playing too many close games. The most clutch thing you can do is avoid the clutch. I mean, Damon Lord's awesome in the clutch. I'm not trying to take away from it. The team has made plays defensively in the clutch. I'm not trying to take away from that. But I think the idea that, oh, this team this team has proven they can be a good defensive team or this pr- team has proven they can lock in is like, um, if they prove they can lock in, do that shit in the third quarter. So to me, the takeaway here isn't like, you know, Nurk looking more comfortable, Norm looking more comfortable, Rocco settling in, Damian Lillard kind of gets his groove after a couple a couple games. N- nothing like that. This is this is a... Blazers play a bad team, a truly bad team, and they treat them like a truly bad team, just beat them up like a truly bad team. That That is the mark of a good team. The mark of a good team is not surviving in the final 60 seconds. The mark of a good team is watching the game from the bench in the final 60 seconds. It's, it's like laugh, laughing and putting your shooting shirt on because you just beat the snot out of someone. This is, this was, this was like, I say this a lot when the Blazers play bad teams, this was only going to be meaningful if they lose, but I, there, the, it was meaningful to me because Dame dropped 33 and nine and they, and they smoked a team they should smoke. Like this is, this is the Blazers doing what they should do. And I, well, I enjoy the close games, like, <laughs> um, you know, surviving the magic because Michael Carter-Williams smoked a layup was pretty fun, uh, beating the Raptors, that, you know, that was an entertaining game nonetheless, or absolutely it was, like, uh, the even the win of the Heat to open this road trip was, the Heat were super, super undermanned, um, and and the Blazers, you know, won, won close despite Bam Adebayo getting two layups in the final 60 seconds. That's great theater. I'm here for it. And, and, you know, you just, you can't blow out every NBA team. I'm not saying like if they don't win every game by 15 that they're bad, but the mark of a good team is to win games. And this road trip, you know, they start off kind of sneaking by two, uh, 
undermanned and the magic are not very good even though they just beat the clippers but not very good and then the heat were just missing a bunch of bodies um the raptors struggling and and had just made a trade and gave the blazers one of their best offensive players and were missing kyle lowry like those you know winning those games don't give them back don't apologize and finding a way to win on the road always important but like the mark of a good team is to beat beat the snot out of bad teams and the blazers did it so I'll give them their propers. Good, good work, Trailblazers. Way to, way to smoke a team you're supposed to smoke. Way to, way to, way to just dominate a game. Way to, way to be a good team on the road. Um, you know, fourth game of road trip, not an easy game to win. But here they are, four and zero on this trip. Like this is, they're they're in a really good spot. But they've also kind of taken care of business against bad teams. And I think the real test for them is not just sort of taking care of business, squeaking by. You're going to have close games, but to have more blowouts, to have more games where you're dominant, don't do this once every 14 games against low-level Eastern Conference teams. Beat, you know, beat a beat somebody who you're who maybe you're not supposed to beat by double digits, and then I'll really be ringing the bells. Let's go. Um, I, this this is hateration and holleration in the dancery. I, I understand that, y'all. But, like, this was a... This isn't a game that... that I was going to take away a lot from unless they lost. But I, the, my takeaway is, let's see more of this. More of this. More of the games where the Blazers look like a complete roster, where they look like, you know what, this other team just doesn't have near the level of talent. Maybe we're building towards that now that Nurk is healthy and CJ's healthy and Norman Powell's in the mix. Like, maybe we're building towards that, but let's see it. Um, and I think that's what we're going to talk about later in the show, is like, they got a chance to prove this hater, one this hater on the microphone, they got a chance to prove... Uh, me wrong in the future. So in the second segment, before we get to what's ahead in the Blazers schedule, I want to talk about where the Blazers stack up in the West. Because, you know, after the Norman Powell edition, uh, there's, I think the Western Conference playoff tiers, I've done these a couple times now, and we're going to revisit them. I think they've they've changed a little bit. So I've ranked every team in the West, and and we'll talk about where the Blazers stack up here in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell y'all about a new podcast that I think you really might love called Death at the Wing. It's a sports documentary podcast hosted by Adam McKay, the writer and director of The Big Short, Vice, and Anchorman. It's about 1980s basketball, which saw players like Magic Johnson and Dr. J become household names and bring a faster and flashier style of play that really captivated TV audiences. The 80s was the revival of, of the NBA and the real, like, popularizing it you know to the level that we know it today but along the way the wealth and the stardom and the excess of the 1980s took its toll on the next generation of basketball and never in history of any sport have we seen so many players who are ready to become stars face tragic deaths in such a short time frame so McKay on this podcast is joined by sports journalists and experts who live through these moments in history to explore this overlooked phenomenon and the web of social political and cultural forces at play Sounds super fascinating. I hope you check it out. If you love The Last Dance or if you're into the 30 for 30 podcasts or documentary series, uh, you're going to love Death at the Wing. So just search Death at the Wing wherever you get your podcasts and start listening today. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Today, the podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski, which updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you already get podcasts. All right, so in the first segment, we talked about the Blazers win over the Pistons, their first double-digit win since March 1st. It's not really a month because the Blazers took like, a you know, six days off for the, the All-Star break in there, but it had been a long time, 14 games 
since the Blazers had beaten a team by double digits, including 10 single-digit wins in there. It had been a while. It was nice to see. But what I want to talk about here in the second segment is, is Western Conference playoff tiers, or Western Conference tiers. Some of these teams, they make the playoffs, y'all. Uh, I've done this before. We rank all 15 teams um, in the West, but I don't really do it power ranking style. I mean, some of it is clearly power rank this team better than that team or whatever, but... I think the way I think about teams is more like in clusters. This group of teams is pretty good. This group of teams is pretty good. I think it's a, it's sort of an interesting, it's for me, an interesting way to see how teams stack up. And after the trade deadline, I think it's, it's worth revisiting. Uh, we'll go through all 15 teams and we'll just run through them real quick. A peek around the West and who the Blazers are chasing. There's still a couple games going on around the league as I record this on Wednesday evening. But as I sit here, the Blazers are tied with uh, the Nuggets in the West both 29 and 18, a game and a half behind the fourth place Lakers and two games behind the third place Clippers. But, but the Western Conference tiers are not a rehash of the standings. They're more about where I think teams are as of right now. So in the top tier alone by themselves is the Utah Jazz. I feel a little bit weird about putting the Jazz alone by themselves up here because I don't think they're the most likely team to to win the West and um, and you know I don't think they're the favorites to come out of the West. I wouldn't favor them against most of the teams in the East to win the championship. Like, um, I, I just don't feel that way about the jazz, but they're undeniable during the regular season. That team kicks ass and they're keep kicking ass. So they're alone at the top. Everyone else has more problems than the jazz. The jazz are in tier one by themselves. It's those screen assists. I just couldn't resist tier two. I got three teams in tier two, Phoenix, Denver, and the LA Clippers. The Clippers don't look very good like right now. Like I said, I, I I watched them kind of fumble away a game against the very shorthanded Magic the other night, Tuesday night. By the time you're listening to this, uh, they're they're not they're they're not in a good way. But if, if when if Paul George gets healthy, um, they'll be okay. Adding Rajon Rondo does nothing for me. I'm not, not sure that helps them in any way. It might help them in the playoffs, I believe, but I don't think it's going to help in the regular season. But I still have them in Tier 2, but they're my shakiest team there. I think the Suns belong there. They're just really good. Chris Paul helps teams win. Uh, Devin Booker, when he's healthy and is, has just been phenomenal, they've got really, really solid role players. They can play different shapes, big and small. Um, I, I really like them adding Tory Craig for free. Reportedly gave $110,000, the minimum amount of cash you can send out to the Milwaukee Bucks to, atti- to acquire Tory Craig. Uh, I, I'm a fan. I like that move. Yeah, Suns are, Suns are good. They belong here in Tier 2. I have no qualms about that. Nuggets, I mean get on me for saying that the Nuggets are better than the Blazers right now. Like this is, this is locked on Blazers and here I am saying it with confidence, but I believe it. Trading for Aaron Gordon makes that roster make more sense. Playing way more Aaron Gordon than like if, the question is like, is Aaron Gordon an upgrade over Paul Millsap? Hell yeah. Okay, good. Then it's a win. Um, I think the I think he's he seems to at least early on have settled into being the fourth option, which I think was always a question as where he'd kind of fit. He's behind in terms of like sh- shooting. He's behind you know field goal attempts. He's behind Jamal Murray. Behind Michael Porter Jr. Obviously behind Nikola Jokic. Like he's he's a really good fit for them stylistically. And if he's if and if he accepts that sort of reduced role as like number as the fourth guy. Um, then they're going to be really good. I, I I feel comfortable with the Nuggets ahead of the Blazers in Tier 2. So Phoenix, Denver, and the Clippers here in Tier 2. Tier 3, a team by themselves, the Portland Trail Blazers. I just, and we'll talk about this more in the third segment, I just cannot say 
having seen the Blazers play against these teams, particularly Phoenix and Denver, that the Blazers are are on that team's level. They're close. They are close. I felt when I was penciling this out, I actually had the Blazers up in that tier and then I knocked them down, um, you know, hateration and holleration. So uh, I just kind of feel like they're a step step below this, these teams. Uh, the the they have they'll have a chance. They're going to play good teams down the stretch. They have a chance to prove it. They play the Clippers next week. They have a chance to show me that I'm wrong. But for right now, I think the Blazers are clearly better than the sort of mediocre middle class of the West. They're just they're better than those teams. We'll get to them in a second. But they're not quite in these top two tiers yet. Um, they're very close. They're very close. Uh, but they're not quite there. Tier four by themselves, the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't know what to do with this team. If if Anthony Davis is out for another two or three weeks and LeBron's out for another three or four weeks, um, they stink. Like, their roster stinks. I'm not a believer that Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, and Andre Drummond is a playoff team. Lucky for the Lakers, they won a boatload of games before everyone got hurt, um, and they've won two in a row, scraping by, beating those same Orlando Magic who've just been on the West Coast kind of... Um, <laughs> Well, I guess they played the Blazers in Orlando, but they went to L.A. and almost beat the Lakers and then did beat the Clippers. Nice little trip. Nice little trip for the Orlando Magic, ruining some L.A. teams' uh, weekends. But, um, I mean, I just, I can't in good faith say that the Lakers are um, up with the other five, those other five teams I've already mentioned in the West. Like, their roster's bad. Um, I'm sorry, Taylor Horton Tucker and Wesley Matthews, uh, particularly Wesley Matthews, who's been bad this year. Uh, sorry, y'all. Like this, that team's bad. They're not in this next class because, like, they have LeBron and Anthony Davis. Uh, at some point, those dudes will be back. So I kind of, you know, I don't want to do one tier, one one team tiers, but that's just how it shook out because I had to be honest with how I feel right now. The Lakers are not on the Blazers level as they currently stand, but they're not this other class of teams. And that's tier five, our most crowded class. That's going to be the Mavs, the Spurs, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, the Sacramento Kings, who are suddenly hot, and the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, this is where the Blazers had traditionally been. Like in these tiers, they had been in this sort of crowded middle class. So, uh, the Blazers are clearly better than these teams. No no doubt in my mind they're better than than Dallas, who um, has been playing a little bit better, but still is fundamentally flawed. And um, Luka's been in and out of the lineup. Same with KP. Uh, the Spurs, they they just they won't die, but they're not particularly good. They're not particularly bad. They just are what they are. Uh, the Grizzlies, really just an inconsistent group. Um, I, I kind of like watching the Grizzlies. They're, they're like a team I enjoy watching, but I, I don't think they're particularly good. They're prone to having just these... De- Awful, awful defensive games, um, but they, they belong in this group, but not certainly not below it. the The Golden State Warriors are just a bad team that has Steph Curry. Like if they if they didn't have Steph Curry, they'd be one of the worst teams in the NBA. But Steph drags them along, and they're probably going to make the playoffs because he's that good. Kings have kind of figured it out. Good on them. On instead of uh, trading away Harrison Barnes and and kind of and shipping out some of their other potential uh, guys they could have gotten rid of, you know, maybe just like giving Buddy Heald away for any to any takers, although I'm not sure there were any. They said, screw it. Actually, we're going to get better. We're going to add DeLon Wright. Like we're going to get, we're going to upgrade this team, not get worse. Um, you know, they've, the Kings have won five, five in a row. Um, as I'm recording this, they're, uh, they're down double digits to the Spurs. So I think that five-game winning streak is going to come to an end. But they've looked a lot better. They be- they were a tier below. They belong in this tier. The Pelicans, um, if their defense wasn't so bad, they would be they would be a handful. Um, they still, you know, they're just they're just playing Zion Williamson as like a ball handler. And he is the 
a menace. He is a problem in that role. Um, they're not a playoff team, but um, if they could kind of figure out what to do with Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe and get other guys that fit better around Zion, they could get good in a hurry. I, I, I believe that very earnestly. Uh, tier six, a, a step below these teams. I think OKC wishes they were in tier seven, but they can't get there. They just keep winning games. OKC is in, is in a tier by themselves. Um, you know, they've, they've lost three in a row. They've, they're holding out Shea Jills Alexander. They've decided to kind of bench, uh, to bench Al Horford. They, what they, they want to lose. Um, can't, can they lose? Well, they can't. They're actually about to beat the Toronto Raptors. They're up, they're up eight with 25 seconds left. They're going to win, snap a three game losing streak. OKC just can't lose. They're just too tough. Um, so they they can't even pull the tank off right there in Oklahoma City. They've got a kajillion draft picks and a team that's too competitive. And then the last tier in the West, the Rockets and the T-Wolves. Uh, this was a position held exclusively by the T-Wolves for so long, and the Rockets were a, were a rung above. The Rockets, y'all, the Rockets lost 20 consecutive games, and they never caught the T-Wolves in the standings. Like I'm talking like down the standings. They lost 20 consecutive games and didn't catch the T-Wolves. 20! 2-0 in a row, and they and the Timberwolves still found a way to stay below them in the standings. Um, these are the two worst teams in the West. That's all I'm saying. Let's talk about what's next for the Blazers. They play some tough games coming up. Uh, Portland, after you know a 4-0 road trip, and now it gets a lot tougher with games coming up against Milwaukee, the LA Clippers, and the Utah Jazz. So I want to talk about what's next for the Blazers. What what can they show in there with a more challenging schedule ahead of them in the third segment? But before we get there, we got to talk about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NBA games every night, Final Four in men's and women's college basketball, NHL games happen in two. And BetOnline even has you covered for reality TV and award shows if you don't want to bet on sports. They got real-time updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine, real-time news and scores. It's just the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head on over to their website. That's betonline.ag. You can do that from your mobile device or your computer. You sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. The website is betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON, and when you, when you do that, You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. If you listen to this podcast, you know about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, all of which are covered in 100% chocolate, and all of which are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. But now it's time to determine... What's the best tasting protein bar ever? We've reached the championship round. The final matchup is cookie dough chunk versus coconut brownie chunk. That's right. Two chunks. The chunk brand doing well. Um, if you listen to the show, you know that I think coconut brownie chunk is the best Bill Bar flavor. Uh, a winner in the flavorful four over mint brownie. And they're going to win the championship with my vote. Or at least they're going to get my vote in the championship. Uh, both of these are fantastic. Cookie dough chunk and, and coconut brownie chunk deserve deserve to be in the championship for sure. So if you want to vote in the poll, decide who the winner is, visit BuiltBar.com or check out their Twitter handle at bar underscore built. And as always, you can visit the website, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. 
We're about to find out who's the best tasting protein bar ever, so make sure you vote, and I'll update you on the winner on Friday's show. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, and you're still listening to Locked on Blazers. You want to know more about the top, top prospects available in this year's NBA draft? Well, the Locked on NBA Draft podcast has you covered. Got scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage of the final four coming four days a week from credentialed draft experts who know their stuff. So follow the Locked on NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you already get podcasts. All right, so we talked the Blazers win over Detroit uh, in the first segment. They they finally beat a bad team by double digits. They finally just beat any team by double digits, bad or otherwise. We talked Western Conference playoff tiers or Western Conference tiers in the second segment, where the Blazers stack up in the West. And maybe because of my natural pessimism or maybe because I just haven't seen this team just dominate for any stretch. I've seen them win a bunch of games by, by being better in the final minutes um, because they have the best closer in the game and because they have an elite offense. And when you have an elite offense and you keep it close, you got a chance to win a whole bunch of games. But I am not a believer that this team is particularly good. As, as, as mentioned, the Western conference playoff tiers, I think they're like the fifth best team in the West. And I don't think they're in that sort of like championship level, contention level, challenge for um, challenge for one of the, the top seeds type of tier. Because I just haven't seen them do it. But here's the thing. The Blazers have a chance to just go ahead and do it. Beginning Friday, that's April 2nd, or if you're listening to this on Thursday, tomorrow, they host the Milwaukee Bucks. That's a really good basketball team. Then uh, back-to-back against the Thunder. Like I said, the Thunder just won't die. That's not a very good team. Second game of back-to-back, whatever. Um, you want to you wanna win that game, but I'm not going to put a whole bunch of stock in that. Following that, Tuesday against the Clippers, and then Thursday against the Jazz. So three of their next four games are against like l- just undeniably very good teams. Um, you know, the, the Clippers are third in the West. The Jazz are leading the West. The Bucks right now sitting in third. Uh, clearly one of the top three teams is kind of jumbled after you get behind them out of the top three teams in the East. But now is the time, right? Like if you're good, show you're good. Beat some good teams. Uh, according to ESPN's standings, the Blazers are 8-11 and 11 against teams that are 500 or better. And I think that is taking into account the team's record as they currently stand. But if you want to just look at games where the Blazers played a team that was had a winning record on, on the night they were in the gym, the Blazers have five such wins all year. Five. Five of them. Five. They've, they beat the Lakers on December 28th. They beat the, Philly, they beat the Philadelphia 76ers twice in the same week, early February, the 4th and the 11th. They beat Golden State on March 3rd. They beat the Dallas Mavericks on March 19th. They had beat the Mavericks just before then, but the Mavs had a losing record at the time. Uh, they beat the Heat this weekend but the heat were 500 at the time like i think 8 and 11 is is a totally reasonable number and it still indicates that the blazers have been bad against good teams that's a losing record for those of you out there uh you know win 8 out of 19 but uh like they just they just haven't done it they just haven't done it five wins against five wins when you walk on the court you say this is an this is also a good team you know this team also has a winning record we are good we fancy ourselves good this team is also good uh, you know, let's uh, let's see what happens. The Blazers have five such wins. It's not like they haven't played any of them. 
you know, losses, losses to the Nets, that stretch where they lost to the the Suns, the Nuggets, and the Lakers, and they kind of looked like they were really lost. Uh, It's just this, they haven't done it. They haven't done it. I don't, I don't care any way you slice it. I'm not asking them to give games back. Like they're, they're 21 and 18. I'm not asking them to apologize, but I'm trying to explain, I'm trying to sort of um, give you context for why I don't really, I don't see them as one of these, these high tier teams, the upper echelon teams, because they, they rarely blow teams out. They don't have, they have a negative point differential. They rarely blow teams out. Um, They, they have mostly stumbled against good teams. They've they racked up, you know, twenty one and seven against teams below five hundred. Uh, they they rack up wins against bad teams. So for me, the the proof if the, you know this team's this is a playoff team. I'm not. I'm, I'm obviously. Um, it might even be a playoff team with home court advantage if if things break their way and then they they continue on the trajectory that they're currently on because they you know they've looked. Um, they've looked better with Norm, um, although maybe not super convincing just yet. Better with Nurk and CJ for sure too. Better like CJ McCollum makes the Blazers a better basketball team. But you get, for me, like the thing that will change my mind: Friday at home against the Bucks. Bucks are on the road. They're playing the Lakers right now as as I'm as I'm recording this. Uh, but like the Bucks on a West Coast road trip, taking down a really good team like like the Bucks, you know, at LA and then at Utah next week, that's Tuesday and Thursday of next week. Like the Clippers, um, kind of a mess, but still a really talented team. So, you know, go win that game convincingly, prove you belong among those teams. And, and I'll be, I'll, I'll, I will not, I'm not going to deny what I see right in front of me, but like, I'm someone who, First of all, I'm just like a dork. I'm going to, I watch every second of these games, but I also like, I'm, I'm paying attention to sort of like the bigger picture numbers, the indicators, like, and for me, point differential is, is just an indicator of whether a team is good or not. Uh, I know they just lost by 40 to the Mavs, which kind of skews some of this, but they also just lost by 40 to the Mavs. So, um, they didn't win a game by 40 and somewhere randomly in there. Like I, I, None of the Blazers' indicators this season have suggested, you know, this is one of the very good teams. They're an elite offensive group. They're a really bad defensive group. And they've been able to squeak by. Uh, I don't think they're lucky. I'm not trying to, like, dismiss the, like, things as as lucky. Certainly luck plays a factor in every single basketball game. But um, they're just a team who hasn't been able to... to uh, to put teams away. They finally did it against the Pistons. They took a step in the right direction. Now is the next test. The next test. You're going to play good teams. The Bucks are a really good team. I don't really know how the Blazers guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, I know how they will, <laughs> I guess, is like, Robert Covington, please help. Um, you know, maybe even Nurk spends a little time on him because some teams have guarded Giannis with a, with a center. But like, I don't know how they guard the big wings of Kawhi and Paul George. These are the tests that are going to come up for this Blazer team in the playoffs. Um, you know, we don't know who how the matchups are going to shake out. It's too crowded in the West to look that far ahead with 25 games remaining in the regular season. But they're going to play teams of this caliber, the, the Clippers and, and the Jazz. Like, if, if they are going to get where they want to go, these these regular season games are times that are moments that you prove that you're capable of doing it. Now, I don't, um, you know, if they go 0-3 or 1-0 you know, against those teams and, and squeak by Oklahoma City or something, I'm not going to bury this team. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, they suck. We always knew they sucked. It's just like, they are who they are. They're kind of like a middle-of-the-road, pretty decent team. Like I've said, it's okay to be okay. But if you fancy yourself a championship team, let's... 
let's see some let's see some evidence that it might be the case. The Blazers these are really good tests. I'm excited to see them play really good teams. They had a pretty they had a relatively easy schedule to begin the season. It gets it, it starts to get harder basically from this moment forward. Uh, the end of the month includes um, a long road trip. So you know it's um, it is now we are now about to find out what the Blazers are now. Like I said, they don't have a bunch of good indicators, but they do. They have improved. Norman Powell makes them better. Nurk coming back makes them a lot better. Letting Anis Kander play backup center is a real luxury. Uh, having CJ McCollum on the court, a very, very good basketball player, definitely changes this team's ceiling. But let's see the ceiling. Let's find out about it. We got a prove it week ahead of us for the Trailblazers, beginning Friday against the Bucks. Then they play OKC Saturday. Uh, the way the schedule works, they're not going to play a game again by uh, by the time you hear my voice in this space. But the show that I post Sunday will react to those games. Um, obviously, Monday, we're going to have our traditional mailbag show. So make sure you get questions in for that at Mike G. Rich and LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. I got a good, a really fun interview lined up for next week, and I'm efforting a couple more. It's a fun week in Blazerland, fun week in Locked On Blazerland as well. So tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. It'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.